It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, June 30th, 2016. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is out of town. In this place, I've got some uh, very competent help. Monty Overton is here to my right, to your left. You Monty. said competent help. I thought I was going to help. I was talking about Josh. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Josh, oh, Josh McCord is behind the board tonight. Josh, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, Josh, glad that you're here. Looking forward to the discussion with you gentlemen. Looking forward to hearing from you as well at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. You're listening to us live tonight, watching our video feed. Uh, to the bottom of that video window is the chat window where you can sign in with other listeners on the program tonight. We're looking forward to our discussion, looking forward to your comments. Our program is better when you contribute, and we'll look forward to those contributions as we go along uh, throughout the program tonight uh, as you share your comments with us. Tonight we want to talk about something that's fairly alarming. Uh, Monty uh, came across an article this week uh, that was published back in 1987 in the Guide magazine. That is a magazine or was a magazine uh, uh, directed to the homosexual community. Uh, And this article is entitled, The Overhauling of Straight America. And it is, uh, it lays out in 1987 the agenda for changing the way that society viewed homosexuality. And looking back on it in history now, it is shocking at how, this agenda played out in our society and how effective it was, and we want to review that on the program tonight with an, uh, an idea of an understanding that these are tactics that Satan has used throughout time, and they're being used in this venue now, but they'll likely be used in other venues in the future. We need to be aware of how Satan works so that we can be on guard against his tactics in the future. It's possible that because of a, a lack of understanding of this tactic or this roadmap that they were using to help destroy our country, uh, that it went in over our heads and we didn't really realize, or it went in under the table and we didn't realize what was going on. But if we'll make ourselves aware of it, when the next big issue comes up, hopefully we can be more prepared and, and make a better defense than we have done about this one. All right. Earlier today we sent some uh, of these uh, quotes to your inbox if you're on our our distribution list. If you're not, you can get on that list by sending us an email, questions at collegeview.com. We'll go over some of those today, but we'll look at the, there are seven points that we want to look at uh, that are stated so clearly in this uh, agenda that was put put forward uh, by the gentleman who wrote this article. But their first agenda and their first point of uh, to address and to try and overcome was that of the uh, task of desensitizing people to the issue, desensitizing people uh, to the sin of homosexuality. And they say it very blatantly, very uh, straightforwardly. They say the first order of business is desensitization of the American public concerning gays and gay rights. To desensitize the public is to help it help it view homosexuality with indifference instead of with keen emotion. Ideally, we would have straights register differences in sexual preference the way they register differences in taste for ice cream or sports games. She likes strawberry. I like vanilla. He follows baseball. I follow football. No big deal. So they began by saying what we need to do is desensitize the public to this so that they don't see sin as sin anymore. They see it as not a big deal. Certainly in our society, as we look back, in 1987, a majority of people viewed it as sin. A majority of people thought it should be illegal. 
day, a majority of people say, as they said here was their goal, a lot of people today say, well, it's no big deal. You know, I remember back, I think probably in about 1972 when I was in the fifth grade in school, there was a fellow that, a man where we went to church that came out of the closet, so to speak, that he was a homosexual. And today, if somebody done that because of the success of this overhaul in straight America that we're talking about, people wouldn't know it. They'd say, oh, oh, okay, big deal. In Dixon, Tennessee, where I grew up, that one man coming out and publicly admitting that he was a homosexual was a huge deal. Everybody in school where I was at knew it. I mean, the, the, that was a big scandal in the whole town. His family was embarrassed and, and things like that. But nowadays, you know, it's not a big deal. It's, they've, they've accomplished that. It's like, oh, well, he likes to have sex with men. I don't. So what? You know, they go on and they say, I mean, it's amazing, Monty. You look back at uh, this. At least in the beginning, we are seeking public desensitization and nothing more. We do not need and cannot full, expect a full appreciation or understanding of homosexuality from the average American. So they want to get to the point where it's not a big deal. They're not, they don't want you to appreciate, understand, or necessarily embrace it. Just say it's not a big deal. Once they get to the shoulder shrug, shrug phrase, uh, stage, in other words, you know, who cares? Gays as a class must cease to appear a, a mysterious, alien, loathsome, and contrary. Uh, and so they want to then change their image. But it starts off with this desensitization. The way they do it, Monty, they laid out that course here in this, as this desensitization will occur. They say that you need to talk about gays and gayness as loudly and as often as possible. The, the principle behind this advice is simple. Almost any behavior begins to look normal if you're exposed to it enough at close quarters and among your acquaintances. The acceptability of the new behavior will ultimately hinge on the number of one's fellows doing it or accepting it. One may be offended by its novelty at first. Many in times past were momentarily scandalized, and he lists several things here, one of those being premarital sex. But as long as Joe Sixpack feels little pressure to perform likewise, and as long as the behavior in question presents little threat to his physical and financial security, he soon gets used to it and life goes on. The skeptic may still shake his head and think people are crazy these days, but over time his objections are likely to become reflect, more reflective, more philosophical, less emotional. So they say, well, you just got to expose people to it long enough. You expose people to it long enough, and the shock factor, the initial revolt will wear off, and you'll begin to get to the point where it's not a big deal. You know, it's that way with a lot of things. Uh, when when something they're putting it to us like this is just a new thing here, and but you hear something new and you pay attention, but after you've heard about this new thing long enough, you don't pay so much attention anymore. It's sort of like I can remember when I first started being aware of television, the televisions that I seen were black and white. Mm-hmm. Well, then color TVs come out and they were a new thing and everybody ooh and ah over a color color TV. Well, now color TVs are everywhere and nobody pays any attention you know the fact that it shows in color instead of black and white nobody notices anymore it's not a big deal to them and so what they're trying to do is this same thing it's a new thing and oh what what's that and people pay attention but now that they've heard about it long enough and often enough it's like oh it's it's, it's the homosexual thing i don't care about that and you know whatever they want to do i don't care all right talking about uh, satan's agenda here it's very well explained and described in this article that we're looking at tonight, but uh, it is occurring in other issues as well and has throughout time. Desensitization, Josh, is one of his primary tactics, as they laid out here in their uh, tactic and their agenda. It certainly has occurred throughout time. Right. Yeah, fast forward to today, and what you see now is the sinful activity that used to sneak down the back alley. Now it struts down Main Street, and so now instead of just... uh, not only should we should we do it and accept it, we got to celebrate it. You know, they, now in, in cities we're having a gay pride festivals, and they just had one in Nashville, I believe. You know, and we got to celebrate it now. It's, it should be a proud thing to practice this stuff. So you see the agenda that they had, and you see how well, unfortunately, how well it worked. Unfortunately so. Uh, let us know your comments, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com, again, in the chat room if you're listening to us live. You know, you talk about the media, and certainly 
uh, it is uh, very uh, dangerous. Notice what they say here. The the way to benumb raw sensitivities about homosexuality is to have a lot of people talk a great deal about the subject in a neutral or supportive way. Open and frank talk makes the subject seem less furtive, alien, and sinful, more above board. Constant talk builds the impression that public opinion is at least divided on the subject and that a sizable segment accepts or even practices homosexuality. The main thing is to talk about gayness until the issue becomes tiresome. How many times have you heard people say that already? I'm, I'm, just tired, I'm tired of, of hearing about it. Tired of hearing about it. That's what they've done. And so that does then numb us so that it's not that big a deal anymore. Now, on to the subject of media. Where we talk is important. The visual media, film, and television are plainly the most powerful image makers in Western civilization. The average American household watches over seven hours of TV daily. Those hours open up a gateway into the private world of straits through which a Trojan horse might be passed. As far as desensitization is concerned, the medium is the message of normalcy. So far... Gay Hollywood has provided our best covert weapon in the battle to desensitize the mainstream. Bit by bit over the past ten years, gay characters and gay themes have been introduced into TV programs and films, though often this has been done to achieve comedic and ridiculous effects. On the whole, the impact has been encouraging. The primetime presentation of consenting adults on a major network in 1985 is but one high-water mark in favorable media exposure of gay issues but this should be just the beginning of a major publicity blitz by gay America. Wow. You know, we've been talking about the dangers of television and the media for so many years. These guys are bold enough to come out and say that's exactly what we're trying to do. They're saying it works and we're going to use it. We've been trying to tell people you've got to be careful about what you're viewing in the media. And people go, oh, it's not a big deal. I can watch that and it's not going to bother me. These people say it will bother you, it will change you, and that's our mm-hmm. goal. Christians, it's time to wake up for crying out loud. You know, back when we had TV, one of the shows that we watched, my, my wife's into home decorating and all that, so we watched HGTV, Home and Garden Television. And watching that TV show, you would think at least half the people in the world are homosexual. I, I know and understand that only about 2% of the people in the United States are that way. But it seemed like as they're interviewing these couples for these houses, they're going to remodel for them and all these things, that about every other one was either two men or two women together. And you would think that it was everywhere when it's realistically not that many people are practicing this, but they've made it, the the TV media has put it out there so much and so much in our face that you would think, well, there's bound to be at least every other person I see is that way, so I'm going to have to accept it. And that paragraph bears reading again. The average American household watches over seven hours of TV daily. Those hours open up a gateway into the private world of straits through which a Trojan horse might be passed. So far, gay Hollywood has provided our best covert weapon in the battle to desensitize the mainstream. Christian, if you're watching television without any filters on that viewing, if you're just taking in everything that the media is dishing out, they're telling you right here in black and white. They are trying to get your thinking to line up with the devils, and they're also telling you in black and white that they're being very successful at that. It's time to wake up. They're telling us that they're reprogramming our mind for us and that they're good at it. And And it works. And it works real good. And they're willing to spend a lot of time and a lot of money to accomplish that. Along those lines, Anthony has uh, chimed in tonight in the email. He says, uh, some general thoughts about this troubling essay. You were absolutely right to draw parallels between this agenda and the exact tools that Satan uses to convince us that evil is good. This is a shocking reminder that we are under attack by the devil and those in our world who seek to destroy God's values. This should wake us up to the fact that we need to double down on God's way and resist society's crush. This essay also dramatically underscores the immense power of the media. The media is the single biggest reason the homosexual agenda has been so successful. Notice what he says there like this. He says, we don't, can't do much to change the media itself, but we can absolutely limit our exposure to it. Pull the plug. It's not worth your soul, Anthony says. And thank mm-hmm. you for those comments tonight. Certainly have to agree with that. Uh, we're not going to do much to change the media, but we don't have to watch it. 
we are in control of that. It has been so effective. It's working in the area of homosexuality. But what other areas is it working? Maybe in the world we see, oh, well, the world's accepting homosexuality, but I'm not. Well, that's not the only thing the media is trying to convince you that's okay. Uh, well, we fornication. Can see we can see it in a lot of ways. As you mentioned, fornication. Immodesty. You know, when I was a kid, a uh, young man growing up, for people to move in and just live together was a, <gasps> I can't believe they're doing that. Well, now... That's commonplace. You're I sort mean, of happy they're not gay. Yeah. yeah now we're just right heterosexual yeah. living together. It's not that bad. Yeah. Now when some young man gets some young girl pregnant, it's not a big scandal. We're just glad he likes girls. And and so, but you see it in other areas like our dress, because in the media, when you see people on TV, on the occasions where I'm someplace that TV's showing, because we don't have it at the house anymore that way, uh, here are these people running around nearly naked on TV, right out in the open. And if you pay attention... I've heard it said over the years that the hymnline of, of Christians tends to follow what the society is doing. So the media has portrayed this, that it's okay to run around in stuff that really doesn't cover as much as our underwear does mm-hmm. out in public, and that's mm-hmm. okay. And so while the Christian may not run around in public quite that indecently dressed, they're not dressed as well as they should be. Right. Their, their hemline on their pants has, or their skirts has gotten further up. It may not be quite a, a, a mini skirt, but it's still well above the knee. And so... The media has done that. They've made this look appealing to, you know, everybody does it. It's an all right thing. All right. We're going to get uh, back uh, to the discussion, but we need to take a break. What do you think about uh, the agenda that Satan is using in the world around us? He's been using it for, for well, throughout time. We're going to see some parallels in the Bible to this agenda as well, how people have fallen to it in the past. He's using it in the area of the homosexual agenda tonight. As we look at this article, we want your thoughts. Desensitization, is it a problem? Is it a problem in your life? Are you uh, allowing yourself to be exposed to things, maybe in the media, maybe in the world around us, that are causing you to be desensitized? Not that you think it's okay, but it's just not as bad as you used to think it was. Maybe you don't think it's maybe excellent, but uh, not that bad. Are you becoming desensitized? We'll get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight, and uh, we welcome your comments. want to hear from you on the program as we talk about uh, Satan's agenda. It's manifested in the homosexual agenda, which uh, we're looking at an article by a couple gentlemen that lay that out, who say, here's what we want to do, and and, uh, here's how we're going to get America to accept homosexuality. They did this in 1987. And uh, today, about 30 years later, we see that they've been very successful in promoting their agenda. We need to be aware of it so we can be on guard. Kevin says there's definitely much more media directed towards us than simply TV and movies. We now have a super powerful computer in our hand uh, available to us any hour and and place in our life. That is certainly true, Kevin. Uh, We are getting a little bit outdated to just limit our discussion to television uh, today. 
certainly uh, we need to uh, direct it towards all the avenues that the devil has in. As these gentlemen uh, phrased it, it is a Trojan horse uh, or a, a gateway which into which a Trojan horse could be passed in which the devil can get into our minds and affect our teaching. And guest 3995 says it's so very sad that this world continues toward the work of the devil. One would think we could do better, and certainly uh, we would think that. Uh, Kevin says we must all agree that we are desensitized to all the sin that we are exposed to hourly or more often throughout each day. What we once were ashamed to see, we then begin to tolerate and give some acceptance by ignoring. And that is true, Kevin, and we have to be aware of that. That reminds me of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. that tells us that we can't be conformed to this world, and, and that's not only in our actions. And the passage goes on to explain that. Not only in our actions, but also in the way that we think. Uh, verse 1 of Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We've got to get our thinking straight, Monty. That's not just what we do. That's the way we think. Satan is looking for these gateways to pass the Trojan horse, change the way that we think, that it causes us to think in ways that are not godly. We've got to transform ourselves and renew our minds, bring ourselves back on track. We do that by looking into God's Word and learning how God views things so we can view things the same way. You know, and the only way to do that is going to be by constantly and addictively studying our Bibles. Yeah. Because... We're bombarded bombarded by this stuff all day, every day. Uh, the media, the if we listen to music on the radio, which I've decided I can't do anymore nope. because it's all filthy. Right. But they're corroding our minds. The TV's corroding our minds. Uh, if we're not extremely careful when we're looking for something on the Internet, something's going to come up that's going to be corroding our minds. And so the only way to do that is to clean up our mind by constantly reading the Word of God. We've got to... As, this, as the world tries to reprogram us one way, we've got to go back to our original program, which is the Word of God, and put it back straight. Uh, eventually, if you're told to lie long enough, it's, it becomes the truth, is a phrase I've heard said. And it, while it may not genuinely be the truth, it makes us think that's the way it was. So we've got to get back to the truth and keep our minds straightened back out. The, the devil's going to spend all day trying to confuse our minds to where we're not understanding properly. We need to be spending time putting things back straight, seeing what God really said on the subject. Because just like when he came to Eve and, and led her away in the garden and caused her to take the forbidden fruit, uh, he convinced her by using words similar to what God said to go ahead and do it, that it would be okay. Well, we don't need what's similar to what God says. We need exactly, exactly what God what says said. and get, get everything straight. All right. Uh, Josh, I missed a comment from you earlier where you were talking during the break. Yeah, I just I just think it's amazing that Satan has always had this plan to infiltrate, you know, our minds and hearts and try to lead us to down the wrong path. But it's just amazing that people that get on board with him and want the same agenda that he has in order to get their uh, sinful activity to be accepted, they just get on board with him and come up with a game plan. It's just amazing to me that people come up with a game plan on his side, to try, on so his side, in order to try him. to get their agenda. Passed and accepted. All right. Okay, now, uh, we talk about this idea of desensitization. Throughout the scriptures, we're warned uh, about not knowing too much about the world that we live in. And that's the problem. In our society, with the media that we have today, you can learn anything you want about any sin that's going on around you. Anything and everything that you want to know about it. Paul tells us in Romans 16, verse 19, for your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple or innocent concerning evil. He wants us to know everything we can learn about good. He wants us to be blissfully ignorant of the evil that's going on around us. How many of us can say that that's our goal and our aim? You know, most people, that's not their goal. For most people... In, in most any sinful activity, it seems that they want to see how close they can get without actually getting their feet dirty. Uh, it's sort of like uh, stand, walking up to the edge of the cliff and wanting to look off in the Grand Canyon. Well, if we had any sense, we're going to stay way back from the edge. Yeah, yeah. But it, but after we stood way back from the edge for a while, and we think, well, 
This is pretty, I ain't so uncomfortable with this anymore. I can get closer. So we get a little closer and a little closer and a little closer. So finally, we're standing on the very edge and kind of our, half of our foot's hanging out over the ledge so we can look down and see. Well, we've got too comfortable with the danger that's there. And it winds up, a little gust of wind comes along and we're, we're over the cliff and we're doomed. And it's the same way with these sinful things. At first, it's like, oh, this is disgusting. I don't want to know nothing about it. But then, curiosity. But then, well, we learn a little bit more about it. Well, it ain't quite so disgusting as I thought, and we keep getting closer and closer and closer to that edge, to the point that now all of a sudden, well, this really ain't disgusting. It's just not something I want to do. And then it's well, I I didn't used to want to do it, but I might want to experiment with it. It might not be half as bad as I think. And to the next thing, we've completely fell into this sinful activity and just head over heels immersed in it, and with. And no, you know, we're just gone. All right. 877-381-4567. It is dangerous, Monty, and it's dangerous the way that we play around with sin. Psalm 97, verse 10 says, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints and delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. So that's exactly the opposite of the desensitization that the devil wants. He wants us to hate evil. And then we think about Lot. He lived in uh, that wicked city of Sodom where similar sins to what's going on in America today were occurring. Notice what it says about him in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 7, and ask if it could be said of you. Does he, uh, God, delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, verse 8, for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Lot vexed his soul, Monty. It bothered him. It made him sick. It wearied him. He was disturbed by all the evil he saw around him. How many of us could say that today? I dare say that if Lot had a television and they were showing what was going on in Sodom, he would have thrown the thing out the window. He couldn't stand it. It vexed his soul. You know, as we read about Lot, we can see that this bothered him, but he wasn't quiet about it. Because when the two angels came into the city and Lot got him to stay with him and the men of the city came to get him and Lot was disputing with him about that, uh, I don't remember their exact words, but basically they're saying, who made you a judge over us? You're a stranger here, and, and we're tired of hearing what you've got to say. Because he'd been, te- obviously, from the from the scriptures, he'd been telling them they was wrong. They need to straighten up. They need to quit this activity. But they what, they didn't want to hear it. And they so they was belittling him for what he had been saying to them. So not only did it vex his soul, but obviously he was telling them, you're not supposed to be acting this way. God's not satisfied with that. You're going to have to change. All right. Uh Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu.com. Certainly, uh, the devil's trying to desensitize us, and uh, the devil has been very successful in desensitizing the lit world that we live in. Uh, Philip in the chat room says, "While the world we live in is it, it deplorable, and indeed under the agenda of Satan, we need to remember there is nothing new under the sun, and greater is he uh, who is with you than he who is in the world." We need to keep focused on his promises and on Jesus. Certainly, we can't take the defeatist attitude, Monty, and it's easy to take that attitude. Throw up our hands and say, wow, this is so bad, It uh, there's nothing we can do about it. Certainly, uh, we need to remember uh, God's promises. Thank you for that, Philip. Uh, guest 8529 references Ephesians chapter 6. We always have to have the on the whole armor of God, and certainly that is true. Uh, guest 8529 goes on and says, no one is immune. You know, this is a good reminder that we are engaged in a war. How many times do we read that in that imagery in the New Testament, Monty? That we're engaged in a war, in a battle. We need, as Ephesians chapter 6 tells us, to put on the whole armor of God, uh, to stand strong, to stand fast. We sort of let our guard down and begin to think, well, it's not that bad. Uh, Things aren't that dangerous. And that is exactly the opposite of what we need to think. We need to realize that we are engaged in a spiritual war and be on guard and be ready uh, to defend ourselves. You know, it's, there's that old phrase that if you play with fire, you're going to get burned. And I think that's the problem with this desensitizing thing. We kind of get used to working around fire. Uh, part of my job at, at work sometimes is, is the heat treatment of steel. And with some of these metals, we get up over 1,800 degrees to heat treat them. Well, if you're not careful, even though I've got big, thick heat 
fireproof gloves and all that on occasionally when something falls or something rather than getting the metal tongs and picking up with it you're tempted to reach down and grab it with them gloves and i've done that before and found that there was a thin spot in my glove and i got burned <laughs> but the problem was i was too used to being around that hot metal and didn't pay enough attention to i you know i got to where I, the danger part of aspect of it wasn't as big an issue to me i, I was used to being around it i wasn't going to get burnt i wasn't worried about that then I fooled around and got burned anyway. Yeah. Well, this is the same thing. This sin is the same way. If we stay too close to it for too long, the next thing you know, we're, it's like a snake. It's going to bite us and it, because we wasn't given enough care and staying away from it. All right. We need to get uh, a break. Kevin says, I'm reminded of the kings that we consider good during the divided kingdom years. The best of them uh, were considered good because they spent time purging sin from themselves and from the people. The bad kings were tolerant and or promoted such sin and idolatry. So we've got to be active in purging, as Kevin says, rather than just tolerating or even maybe promoting it. And um, guess 39.95 references 1 Timothy 1, verses 9 and 10, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, if there and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Yes, thirty nine ninety five says years ago this country passed laws against immoral behavior. The immoral behavior that was listed in the passages that thirty nine ninety five referenced there in First Timothy one. Thirty nine ninety five goes on and says we now pass laws favoring sins of the flesh, and certainly that is the case. You know, there used to be laws against what was referred to as criminal fornication. Yeah. There was laws against incest. There was laws against homosexuality. Uh, not that many years ago, if a person was a homosexual, they put him in a mental institution. They thought that he had you know, something in his mind wasn't right. And now we're supposed to believe it's wonderful, natural, normal, and okay. Yeah, and uh, and we're not uh, we're not turning a blind eye to the sin of fornication. I think there ought to be criminal uh, prosecution for that as well. Uh, that's what we read there in First mm-hmm. Timothy chapter one. Uh, so we're not uh, turning a blind eye to that. A lot of folks say, well, we accept fornication, so we've got to accept homosexuality. No, that's not true. We should not accept either because they're contrary to sound doctrine. And so I uh, certainly want to note that. All right, we're going to get a break. We'll get this week's bullet point. When we get back, we'll get your thoughts. We've got to get on uh, to more parts of this article. This is a long article. We're not making good time. Next up, their agenda is we don't want to show the ugly part of sin. We want to we want to make this look as good as possible, so we're not going to show the ugly. We'll talk about that when we get back. Get your thoughts in the chat room. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Have you heard about Rusty Redfern? He's an award-winning artist in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Marketed through his own company called Red Fern Originals, he illustrates and sells note cards, t-shirts, sweatshirts, and even limited edition prints and original drawings. Now that may not seem so terribly impressive to you. After all, there are a lot of artists in this world who produce and sell artwork. But there's one other bit of information about Rusty. He was born without arms. This remarkable man uses his feet to do what most folks do with their hands. He eats with spoon and fork, answers the phone, drives his car even without special adaptations, plays football, golfs, and even plays basketball. There's a lesson to be learned from such a fella. It's simply this. You can do what you want to do. Too often we give up before ever making a serious effort. We do it at work, in school, with our families, and we do it in the service of God. Too often we've heard Christians say, I just can't do it. Yes, you can. You simply have to keep trying. Is your life hard? Are you battling against some particular spiritual weakness? Do you struggle constantly to maintain faithfulness? Please take consolation in the fact that God loves you. He wants you to succeed, and he's made it possible through his son, Jesus Christ. So keep trying. Never give up. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Jim Meisner. I worship at the Church of Christ in Deckerville, Michigan. Be sure to listen to the virtual Bible study and watch it. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And you know, 
our goal is to stand against the agenda of the devil and stand firm on the scriptures and the teaching of God's word. So many religious groups around us today are willing to compromise, willing to give in to the devil's agenda. We're certainly fighting against that. We want you to come out and find out more about us. Find out more about our meeting times and location at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We're talking about the devil's agenda tonight, as it was explicitly stated in an article in 1987 expressing the agenda of the homosexual community to try and get America to accept them. And they talked about the first thing they needed to do was desensitize the American public. They went on and said that they need to make sure that they don't show the ugly. They said you can forget about trying to persuade the masses that homosexuality is a good thing, but if you can only get them to think that it's just another thing with a shrug of their shoulders, then your battle for legal and social rights is virtually won. They go on and say, when we talk about homosexuality, we mean just that. In the early stages of any campaign to reach straight America, the masses should not be shocked and repelled by premature exposure to homosexual behavior itself. Instead, the imagery of sex should be downplayed and gay rights should be reduced to an abstract social question as much as possible. Note this. They said, first let the camel get his nose inside the tent, only later than his unsightly backside. Bomani, they said, we want to make sure that we don't make this look ugly. We want to make this look somewhat appealing. And you talked about Adam and Eve earlier. I think that was a a prime objective of Satan. Don't show them the ugly. Don't show them this is going to get them kicked out of the garden. Don't show this this is going to cause their physical and spiritual death. Don't show that this is going to make the world a terrible place, place we see now all around us. Don't tell them about all the extra work they're going to have to do. Don't now. tell them about the thorns and the labor pains and all that. Just tell them it's going to be good. That's sort of, uh, that was his agenda then. It's his agenda now. It hasn't changed in all this time. You know, one of the things that I noticed in here as I was reading through this at the bottom of this first page we've got and at the top of the second page is talking about how their desensitizing campaign is not going to reach uh, and change the public opinion, especially of <clears throat> and the mainstream values of religious authority. But it says, when conservative churches condemn gays, there are only two things that we can do to count, confound the homophobia of true releasers. First, we can use talk to muddy the moral waters. This means publicizing support of gays for more moderate churches, raising theological objections of our own about conservative interpretations of biblical teachings, and exposing hatred and inconsistency. And second, we can undermine the moral authority of the homophobic churches by portraying them as antiquated backwater, badly out of step with the times and with the latest findings of psychology. And it talks about science and public opinion. And it also talks about, uh, let's see where it said, they can use this unholy alliance it talked about has worked well against churches before on such topics as divorce and abortion. And I think... And our effort to undermine to, or fight against this promotion of the gay rights and all these things, a lot of a lot of religious people have really lost their their standing, and they, these people understand that on divorce and abortion, because at one time a lot of most religious groups felt like divorce for any reason was wrong. But then over the years, they've relaxed their stance on that. And we've talked about that a lot in yep. the virtual Bible studies. As I've been listening to a lot of them at work, we can, as the discussions we've had with religious leaders from various denominations, over time, they've relaxed their stance on that. And even a lot of religious people have relaxed their stance against abortion. Well, it, it's just a, they've taken this scientific view. Well, it's just a hunk of flesh. It's, it's not really a person yet until it comes out. Yeah. And so, these people are understanding that, that if when you get people to relax their stance on other moral issues, then you've got your foot. They, then the Bingo. camel's nose is in the tent. We can shove the rest of him in, too, yeah. because we can say, well, you relaxed your stance on this. This isn't any different. Yeah. You know, if we can get divorced, we can be a homosexual. They wanna, if we can kill this baby, we can be a homosexual. They it want, doesn't they, matter. They said they want to highlight inconsistencies among the religious groups. And that is certainly the case. And we've said it time and time again. We'll say it again. When you relax your standards and say, I'll do this that I don't have Bible authority for. I'll do this that God said don't do, but just this one thing. I'm going to give a little bit here. Once you give an inch, you better be prepared to go all the way with it because you, to be consistent, 
you have to then accept anything and everything. The homosexuals understand that. We've accepted heterosexual sins. We need to accept homosexual sins. We need to understand. Once you give an inch, you better be ready to go the full mile. You know, there's that old saying about how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time. Well, they fed it to us one bite at a time for a while, and now they're shoving the whole elephant down our throat. Yeah. Okay, Kevin says, sin takes you farther than you wanted to go, keeps you there longer than you wanted to stay, and costs you more than you wanted to pay. And that certainly is the case. So their agenda was, don't show the ugly. Satan's been doing that. Muddy the waters in the religious discussions. They said that. When conservative churches condemn gays, there are only two things we can do to confound the homophobia of true believers. First, we can use talk to muddy the moral waters. We want to muddy the moral waters. And then second... They want to undermine the moral authority of the homophobic churches by portraying them as antiquated backwaters, badly out of step with the times and with the latest findings of psychology. So they're going to try. They they admit they want to muddy the waters. They just want to throw a lot of dirt in the air. They don't have any ground to stand on, but they want to just try and muddy the water so they can confuse the religious folks. Satan's been doing that throughout time. I uh, think about uh, those false teachers mentioned in Second Timothy chapter three, verse five, having a form of godliness but denying the power of thereof. From such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and leave lead silly women ca- uh, captive, laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, ever learning and ne- never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. The devil's been doing this throughout time, Monty. If you don't have an argument, just muddy the water a little bit. Throw a little doubt in there. Try and get people confused. And what happens when they do that and they muddy the water, there's people that aren't firmly grounded in the truth, that are not well educated in the Bible as they should be, that it'll cause a little bit of confusion with them. And then as they get kind of led away down this path, then they're talking about it and they cause a little confusion with, with the people that maybe should have been a little bit. And the next thing you know, this thing spread all through the church and it's made a mess of things. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. Uh, the next way they say to try and promote their agenda is to evoke compassion for the sinner. They say it this way. They want to portray gays as victims, not as aggressive challengers. In any campaign, they say, to win over the public, gays must be cast as victims in need of protection so that straights will be inclined by reflex to assume the role of protector. If gays are presented instead as a strong and prideful tribe promoting a rigidly nonconformist and deviant lifestyle, they're more likely to be seen as a public menace that justifies resistance and oppression. For that reason, we must forego the temptation to strut our gay pride publicly when it convicts with the conflicts with the gay victim image. And so they want to try and present themselves as victims. Monty, Satan's been doing that throughout time as well. You know, it's interesting that they, in this, they said we've got to resist in temptation to strut our gay pride publicly. Well, they've got to the point in their campaign now that they don't have to resist that temptation. They can go ahead and do it. As we've talked about, there's gay pride, pride parades in San Francisco, Atlanta, Apparently there was a gay pride thing in Nashville, and I'm thankfully, blissfully was ignorant of that. I didn't know about it, but anyway, uh, they're not so sneaking around about it now. But they admit here uh, that really what it said here, if gays are presented instead as a strong and prideful tribe promoting originally a nonconformist and deviant lifestyle, they're admitting here that they're a strong, prideful tribe and that they've got a nonconformist and deviant lifestyle. They're, they're not normal. They're a deviation from the normal. Um <clears throat> Along these lines, Keith has sent an email, and I disagree with Keith, um, but I mean, we need to address his comments. He says, I think there are two sides of this that need to be viewed. How homosexuals are treated in the past has a lot to do with this article. They were openly persecuted, even in this country, and not treated as human beings. We as Christians do not agree with sin, but we also don't believe that one should mistreat sinners. Homosexuals were jailed for this crime of being in a sexual relationship with another man, while men who committed adultery against their wife, suffered no repercussion. However, in the Bible, both are fornication. I think this mistreatment led to the Stonewall riots and ultimately to the gay rights movement. In Nazi Germany, over one million homosexual men were executed. Let's make sure we address this as well. You can't leave this part out and be fair in your treatment of the subject. And, Keith, I want want to emphasize we're not uh, advocating any kind of violence or 
hatred towards anyone. And I hope that uh, Keith's listened to the program long enough to know that we've never advocated that. You know, we've been firmly strong against every form of sin that we understand that there is. We haven't whitewashed or sugar-coated or been... uh, accepting of any of them we we preached against all of them well because we understand that sin is terrible they're all terrible it's not it's satan wants to whitewash it he wants to tell us it's good but it's terrible we want to get every bit of sin out of our lives and out of the lives of anyone we can influence for good we're not advocating any mistreatment of other groups especially not homosexuals and so i i hope that keith would know that of us and uh, understand that that we're not advocating being ugly you know i think back about the woman at the well the samaritan woman at the well that jesus addressed she was an adulteress fornicator uh living with a man had multiple husbands and living with a man jesus treated her kindly and respectfully and lovingly and that certainly has to be our our example and our motivation as well you know as we think about the the woman that the jewish leaders had caught they said in the very act of adultery and they brought to jesus and at the point where he told them whoever was that skin sin let them cast the first stone well ultimately jesus comment to the woman was go and sin no more yeah. and so we're not promoting promoting mistreatment of anybody we're promoting repentance yeah. Go and sin no more. This homosexual activity or fornication or lying or stealing or murder, whatever the sin you want to think about or throw up, uh, we're saying what Jesus said, repent of it and, and obey God and don't sin anymore, and then we can all go to heaven together. If you're cheating on your wife, don't do cheating it on your husband, go and sin no more. If you're married to someone you have no right to be married to, don't do it anymore. Get out of that relationship. Go and sin no more. If you're lying on the job, Go and sin no more. You're cheating on your income taxes. Whatever it may be, you got a foul mouth. Go and sin no more. Uh, God's word is uh, is uh, doesn't discriminate. Mm-mm. If there's sin, it's sin, and we need to get it out of our lives. You know, I heard a guy talk and discussing a fellow with a homosexual fellow one time, and they was having the discussion that the homosexual fellow was trying to say he was born that way. And this guy said, well, I don't agree with you. I don't think that's the case. But for the sake of this argument, I'll let it slide. He said, I was born to want every woman I see. He said, God said, you can't have the people you want, and I can't have the ones I want either. So, you know, God's not discriminating. He's given us all restrictions, the same restrictions to live under, and we just got to conform our lives to it. And that's what we would tell the homosexual. We're not saying to mistreat him we're saying don't suit don't do that sin anymore just like i can't maybe do the sin i'd be tempted with anymore all right uh kevin says uh, i've heard homosexuals use the public's inconsistency on adultery and other sexual sins as their justification many times recently therefore we need to see the value of our own holiness and resist sin in our own sphere of influence once christians begin doing that again we can save this country otherwise our righteous father will use his justice on this nation and on us 39.95 says, repent and turn according to Bible authority. Certainly, it all comes back to that. We've got to line up with God's word and his will in every aspect of our lives, individually and corporately as a church. We must make sure that we demand Bible authority in every aspect of our lives. Otherwise, you must let anything and everything go. A few more ways, and we'll skip our last break tonight. A few more ways that they uh, want to promote their agenda and that is to use the influence of others to make the sin look good they say this explicitly they say the honor roll of prominent gay or bisexual men and women is truly eye-popping the list is old hat to us but shocking news to heterosexual america in no time a skillful and clever media campaign could have the gay community looking like the veritable fairy godmother to western civilizations He says, along the same line, we shouldn't overlook the celebrity endorsement. The celebrities can be straight or gay. This was 1987, and certainly they have promoted this aspect of their agenda very successfully, uh, of using others to influence us for evil. It is no different than the tactic that Satan has used throughout time, to use others to try and influence us for evil. You know, human nature hasn't changed. The things that would influence us and cause us to do things that we know are wrong are, are the, the principles are the same from the very beginning of time to, to right now. And so Satan knows what those principles are. He know, he understands how our mind works, and he will use us against ourselves to accomplish his goals of our being lost. You were, using, you were talking about Solomon last night, I believe, in a Bible yes. class here at College U. Solomon had wives who influenced him for evil. That's right. 
Think about his father, David. David committed the terrible sin with Bathsheba and the ultimate murder of her husband. And Nathan told him in 2 Samuel 12, verse 14, Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Satan, or I mean, I'm sorry, David, by the way that he lived, caused others to sin. Satan, a man yeah. after God's own heart, yeah. who sinned, caused others to sin. We, as Christians, who sin, who don't live like we should, can influence others to sin. It is an agenda that the devil has, and he's very successful promoting himself with that uh, tactic. And that's what we was talking about a minute ago, them pointing out our inconsistencies. They say, well, you, you, you're saying what we're doing is a sin, but you're doing this other thing that the Bible says is a sin, so we just picked a different sin to accept. Yeah. And so we've got to be careful that we're completely and totally following them, the Bible and God's Word in every aspect so that we're not providing that occasion for God to blaspheme. All right. Uh, two more of the uh, from this article. And this article is posted on our website. If you're on our email list, you want to make sure you check out that link. If not... You can find it by just searching for The Overhauling of Straight America uh, by Marshall Kirk and Erastus Pill are the, is, the, uh, is the, the article you want to look for. It was in 1987 that it was published. They want to change the standards of good and evil. Here's what they say in the article. But an additional theme of the campaign should be more aggressive and upbeat. To offset the increasingly bad press that these times have brought to the homosexual men and women, the campaign should paint gays as superior pillars of society. They want to not, don't show those who engaged in, are engaged in this sin as being somehow wicked or evil, but show them as being great pillars of the society. Certainly, Satan has throughout time used this agenda. Isaiah 5, verse 20, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. People have been doing this throughout time, Monty, saying that bad things are good, sinful things are good, and good things are bad. You know, that hasn't changed. Like you said, it's been done without, throughout time, and it, they're continuing to do that. So, and these people that wrote this article understood that, and they included that in their plan to change the way America thinks. All right. Uh, and it's been very successful, uh, Josh. Is, and that certainly is the goal, is to make this look like it's not a big deal, that it's good, actually. Instead of bad, it's actually good. Yeah, guys, I, I think as we're going through this article, you know, their plan started and it's building upon, uh, building upon itself each step of the way. And you look at the way that it's worked out in the world today that, you know, we're the, we're the bad ones because we're, you know, we're saying that it's not okay. If you, if you're not okay with anything anybody wants to do, then you're a bad you're a bad person. Uh, if you want to call out things that are evil, then you're the, you're the problem, you know. And so they've got everything backwards, and this whole thing they muddied the waters. They've changed the standards, and so now the role models that we have in Hollywood and media and whatever, they're people that are gay or or transgender or or whatever, and we're supposed to be able to accept that. Uh, just see that Satan's plan and these people lined up with Satan's plan and worked worked out the way they wanted it to. All right. The last thing we want to look at uh, tonight is, uh, well, perhaps the most shocking. And this is, they admit, at the latter stage of the media campaign for gay rights. I think this is probably where we are today. They say long after other gay ads have become commonplace, it will be time to get tough with the remaining opponents. To be blunt, they must be vilified. This will be all the more necessary because by that time the entrenched enemy will have quadrupled its output of vitriol and disinformation. Our goal here is twofold. First, we seek to replace the mainstream self-righteous pride about its homophobia with shame and guilt. Second, we intend to make the anti-gays look so nasty that average Americans will want to dissociate themselves from such types. The public should be shown images of ranting homophobes whose, second, whose secondary traits and beliefs disgust middle America. These images might include the Ku Klux Klan demanding that gays be burned alive or castrated, bigoted southern ministers drooling with hysterical hatred to a degree that looks both comical and deranged, menacing punks and thugs and convicts speaking coolly about the homosexuals they've killed or would like to kill, a tour of Nazi concentration camps where homosexuals were tortured and gassed. 
A campaign to vilify the victimizers is going to enrage most of our fervent enemies, of course. But what else can we say? The shoe fits, and we should try make them try it on for size with all of America watching. Monty, they want to make those who say that it's wrong look very bad. They want to make them uh, look like villains. So not only have they gone from trying to make themselves look good, when they ex- exhausted that avenue, then they want to try to make the ones that are trying to live righteous and, and teach th- that what they're doing is a sin, they want to make them look like the bad guys. It, and, you know, it's worked. It's worked throughout history, and they're continuing to use that principle. It's shocking. It is amazing. Kevin says Christians are now considered social deviants in many circles. This is the saddest step that has been taken. And he says this article is now almost fully implemented. It is sad. It is shocking. 3995 says one has to wonder what happened to standards. Give Satan an inch, he'll take a mile. And certainly that is the case. You know, I think about uh, throughout time, um, those who wanted to do good have been vilified for it all the the instances we see in the new testament of those who are trying to promote christ trying to promote the gospel that would save the world they're vilified they're made to look like they're trying to bring an uproar rising they're trying to stir up the the masses against uh, the establishment they're vilified by trying to bring god's message of hope and salvation and certainly that is the objective that still continues today. You know, but what we have to realize is that, like we talked about earlier, there's only about 2% of the people in the United States that are actually homosexual. If the other 98% of us, and it's not that big a number, that that are trying to do right, but even of the ones that's trying to do right, there's more of us than there are of them. If we would just get off of our seats and get up and go preach Jesus, preach Christ and his crucified, proclaim the gospel, we can overcome this. This shouldn't be a big deal. If we would apply half as much effort to our agenda of trying to save souls as these people have applied to their agenda of trying to destroy souls, this would this would be a no contest thing. We'd win hands down. You know, you mentioned that earlier today. We were exchanging messages, and that is a valid point. That uh, look how successful those with this agenda have been. And in short order, we're talking less than thirty years. Yeah. Look how far they've come, and they're promoting their agenda. We need to take, rather than be discouraged, as Philip mentioned earlier in the broadcast, rather than being discouraged, we ought to be encouraged that we can move society a great deal if we'll start doing what we need to be doing. You know, when we think about it, in in one generation's time, 12 men, with the help of God, preached the gospel, a brand-new message to the known world at that time, to the whole world. Well, there's more than 12 of us. And since this is God's message, he's going to help us. We could re-preach the message of Christ to the whole world. We could change the world if we would in a generation. These relatively small minority has done it in a generation. We could change it back in a generation. Well, all right, so that starts with turning off, we'll just have to say, the media. We can't limit it to the television now. No. Kevin's uh, helped us understand that. Turn off the media. Quit uh, setting back and start getting active, Josh and doing what we need to be doing yeah just one comment i wanted to make i know that i agree with monty about us preaching the truth on on of the gospel and preaching the truth on any subject one thing we haven't talked about and i just want to bring it up briefly is one of the things that homosexual agenda brought out one of the points they tried to make was that i was born this way you know so i can't i can't i don't have a choice i was born this way i don't have a choice but to be homosexual but we know that paul wrote in first corinthians 6 he listed off a long uh, list of things. And in verse 11, he said, And such were some of you, writing to the Christians in Corinth. So we need to educate people that, you know, men say, I can't change. I'm just this way. But God says you can change. So we need to teach people to choose to do things God's way. And his way is a man, one man and one woman. Do hit things his way, not just our preference, our desire. Do hit things his way. Uh, submit to his will. That's that's really the where we have the argument though isn't it not doing what i want to do but doing what god wants me to do uh and that's uh that's what we've got to stand for again we need to reiterate we're not uh we don't want to be hateful to anyone we love everyone uh especially those we've been talking about tonight uh we want uh people to understand god's will for them money and because we believe that's where true hope and true happiness is is by submitting to god's will no hatred here uh no uh desire to be ugly to anyone, but simply want to proclaim the truths of God's work.
you know, we're not hating on them. We want them to repent so we can spend forever with them in heaven. I mean, if we hated them and we're angry with them, we wouldn't want to be spending forever with them. And they're no worse than we are, Monty. They're, they're no just worse different. sinners than we are. They just picked a different a sin different than I sin. picked. But the ones that I might have a preference for are just as soul damning as the one they have a preference for. That's we right. both have to repent, conform our lives to God's will, and then we can have a home in heaven. That's right. That's our, that's our goal, and that's why uh, we are here uh, on the virtual Bible study. Monty, uh, Kevin says you did a great job in the co-pilot seat. I'll have to say well, you did. Well, thank you. And I'll say not too shabby behind the controls tonight either. Josh, thanks for being here. Thanks, helping us out. I hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Thank you for joining us. Make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the virtual Bible study. In the meantime... We encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.